We spent most of the last eight weeks at the end of the book of Mark, where we really looked close, really, 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 really close at the suffering and death of Jesus Christ. You, me, we put Jesus there. We put it through it all. He got death, we got life. And once we recognize that, once that goes from the head to the heart, and I've just cried out to God every week, please, Lord, let it go from their heads to their heart. Let it go from my head to my heart. Once we recognize that our sin put him there and that we believe the good news and we receive Jesus Christ as the King, the Master of our lives, and everything that He did for us, He lived for us, He died for us, He hung naked in the dark for three hours for us, for you, for me, crying out at the end of the three dark, uh, those three dark hours, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? The love of the Father turns away as Jesus suffers um, for your sin. And he became uh, a substitute. He purchased salvation for us. What is our response to the gospel? What is our response? Once we've received the good news, how do we live then? What do we do? What do we live like? What kind of people are we like? And the answer is this, if you have received Jesus Christ as Lord, you've been given much grace, and so now you must give much grace. Grace is being, grace is being given what you don't deserve. Grace is when you deserve a punishment and you get a what? Someone shout it out. A reward. You get a punishment and you get a what? Shout it out. A reward. It's a thing unknown in the world. Where do you, when you, where do you go where you deserve a punishment and you get a reward? Only the cross. It's the only place that's going to happen. But, so, we've been given much grace. You've been given much grace. And now the Bible says you're a debtor. You owe. It says in Romans chapter 12, owe no one anything except to love them, to treat them how Jesus treated you. Let's talk about that. 1 Samuel chapter 27. I'll give you the background. This is King David. You know David from David and Goliath? You guys know David? And so the first king of Israel was a man named Saul. And he was the kind of king that people cried out for a king that looked like kings from other nations which God was not happy with. And he said, okay, I'll give you a king like other nations, tall, handsome, charismatic, gave him King Saul. And uh, King Saul uh, came in. He was the first um, king of Israel. And uh, the Philistines, an enemy, were raiding into the land, defeating them. And uh, they had a, a, a champion meaning a, a soldier that no one could defeat. His name was Goliath. David, a, a boy, shows up, probably 17, 18, something like that. Shows up, defeats Goliath. Saul liked that. And he made David a commander of one of his armies. He gave David one of his daughters. He gave him a, 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 a seat at his table. But... Um, 
As time went on, David continued to get victories over the enemies, and people were really, uh, David was getting more attention than Saul himself. Saul became jealous. David, he tried to kill David. David went on the run, and Saul tried to kill him for 10 years. David would go to one place and uh, um, hide out with men. Men, uh, little by little, uh, started gathering around him and, um, because they saw he, this was a, a young man of God who had the anointing of God on him. Now, prior to all this happening, even Goliath, uh, the prophet Samuel, went to um, David uh, in the countryside while Saul was still king because Saul had departed from the Lord. Samuel anointed him as king. Before he even showed up as, um, with Goliath, David had already been, had the prophet Samuel pour, pour oil on him and anoint him as the king. And so he's on the run now, and he's going from place to place. Um, Saul, with the, the full power of the army of Israel chasing him from place to place, he would go one place, hide out. He would be ratted out by the people of the land. He would go to the next place, be ratted out um, of the people of the land. A couple times he, he had the opportunity to, to kill Saul. One time um, he was hiding out in a cave. The King Saul goes into the cave uh, to relieve himself. The Bible doesn't keep any of those facts uh, away. And uh, David was in there, and, and one, of his, one of the men with him says, okay, this is it. This is the day the Lord has brought your enemy into your hands for you to kill him. Uh, uh, but he doesn't. I can't do that to the Lord's. The Lord put him in power. And so uh, it, 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 this is what, it says that he lived in sort of the open fields underneath the rocks and the trees, uh, and, and, and he was, it was just an incredibly difficult life. Uh, one time he went to one city that, that um, gave him some bread. Saul found out and killed all the people of the city. So, and, and this is what David is running from for 10 years. And after 10 years, we reach 1 Samuel 27. So he had been faithful to the Lord for, for, for 10 years. God had rescued him from every trial. And, and, but in chapter 27, it says this. Read along with me. It said, David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines, and Saul will despair of me to seek me any more in any part of Israel, so I shall escape out of his hand. So um, first it says, David said in his heart, beginning of the verse, I'm going to perish someday. I'm going to die someday. Saul's going to kill me someday. And he says, i got to get out of here and live with the Philistines. And, so, and verse 2 says, And then David arose, and he went with, and with 600 men um, who went with him to Achish, the son of Maok, uh, the king of Gath. That, so he went to live with us to the Philistines, and, and the Philistines, they were exceedingly wicked people. Now, you know Samson, the dude with long hair, who's, who could like defeat anyone? He could defeat a whole army by himself? Where did he go when he wanted to have sex? Anyone remember? He went to the land of the Philistines. He went there because there were plenty of prostitutes there. There were women who would, would, would basically do anything um, with him. And, and, and it was a, a real land polluted by idols. They were they, polytheistic, meaning they worshiped many gods. And um, even by today's standards, someone walking into that city, um, there, there was just so much immorality and corruption um, would, be, would be like, whoa, what is this going on? But David says at the beginning of, um, uh, of 1 Samuel chapter 27, he says, I'm going to die. It says he, no, it says he said in his heart. Underline that. He said it in his heart. I'm going to get killed by Saul, even though God had been faithful to keep him safe for 10 years. And so Calvary Chapel, note this. Can we have this, Victoria, this first verse? Here, Proverbs 28.6, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Now that's clarity for you. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. 
Again, it says, David said in his heart. Now, this was a good man. He was a good man. He was a righteous man. Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. But he makes a big mistake here. He believes what his heart is telling him rather than the promise of God, rather than the word of God. The word of God had been given to him. You are going to be king of Israel, and I am not going to leave you or forsake you. He had been told that by God. But he took his eyes off the Lord, and he put his heart on his fears. And it says, in his heart, he said, Saul's going to kill me. There's nothing better to do than to live with the Philistines. So he goes with the Philistines. Let's pick it up in verse 3. It says, so David dwelt in Achish at Gath, and he and his men, each man with his household, and David with his two wives, Ahinoam and the Jezreelite, and Abigail the Carmelitess, Nabal's widow, And it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, meaning to the land of the Philistines. So he sought him no more. He gave up. Saul said, whoa, David is left to be with the Philistines? I don't have to chase him anymore. He gave up. See, initially, when you listen to your heart and you go into a life of sin, a lot of times it works really well. Well, it works really well for a while. It even gets um, uh, it, that even uh, it even gets better for David in the short term. Um, he sa- it says that in uh, it says in uh, verse five it says then David said to Achish Achish was one of the kings of the Philistines if I have now found favor in your eyes let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there for why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you so Achish gave him Ziklag. That day, therefore, Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah uh, uh, to this day. And so he goes, he, he runs away from Saul, he goes to the land of Philistines, and he gets a whole city. And see, you know, Satan will put that carrot right in front of you. And say, you come on, get this carrot, it's so good. And, when you, and, and he'll give you the carrot. And the carrot will taste real good, gets a whole city. When he goes and, 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 and lives in this land of wickedness and corruption and sin, that's what happens. Verse, not, verse 7, now the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one year and four months. So he was there for 16 months. It says, and David and his, uh, and his men went up and raided the Geshurites, the Gerzites, the Amalekites, for those nations were the inhabitants of the land from of old, as you go to Shur, even as far as the land of Egypt. Whenever David attacked the land, he left neither man nor woman alive, but took away the sheep, the oxen, the donkeys, the camels, the apparel, and returned and came to Achish, meaning to the king that he was under. And Achish would say, where have you made a raid today? And David would say, against the southern area of Judah, or against the southern area of the, of the Jeralmalites, or against the southern area of the Kenites. And, and verse 11 says, So David would save neither man nor woman alive to bring news to Gath, saying, lest they should inform on us, saying, Thus David did. And thus was his behavior all the time he dwelt in the country of the Philistines. Let me explain that for you. So what David David did one thing, and then he, but he told, went and told the king that he did something else. He lied. He lied for 16 months. He lied. So what he would do is he would go attack the enemies of Israel, and then he would go to the king every day and say, oh, I attacked Israel. And so the king was like, oh, that's really cool. This guy is now, he, he, he loves me, and he's following um, uh, following me. Um, and, but it says more than that, it says when he attacked cities, he would kill every man and woman and child. It says, we just read it, I don't know if you missed it, it says, so that no one would go back to the king and tell him what he was really doing. And again, it says, it, it says there in, uh, it says there in, at the end of verse 11, this was his behavior the whole time he dwelt in the land of the Philistines. See, when you decide on a backslide, I'm going to just backslide. I'm going to leave the Lord. It's getting too hard. And you listen to what your, your heart is saying, and you go back and live in sin. 
you can't help but sin worse and worse and worse and worse. You can't contain that lifestyle. Or if you say for a while, I'm going to avoid church, I'm going to avoid the people of God, but I'm, not, I'm going to go hang out with this other group of people, you will start behaving like those groups of people if, if you're not also with the people of God. And, and, and so this is what happens to David. It says this was his behavior. He lied. There was much blood during this time. Later on, he was told um, that he could not build the temple. And I believe, among other things, it was because of times like these. He was, says he couldn't build the temple. Solomon could, but David couldn't because he was a man of blood. He had blood on his hands. And it says that was his behavior the whole time he was with the Philistines. He who, believes, he who listens to his heart is a fool. Be careful, Calvary Chapel, before you do that. So he's living there, and uh, if you turn now to, uh, go over to um, chapter 29. Hey, Eldon, I think we went a little bit too far, and now it's a little too warm in here. Either that or I've been jumping down, up and down too much up here. So 1 Samuel 29, this is what we do, by the way, on, on Tuesday nights, we just make our way through the Bible. Chapter 29, verse 1 says this, Then the Philistines gathered together all their armies at Aphek, and the Israelites encamped by a fountain, which is in Jezreel. So what's going on here now is the country David is living in, they go to war against Israel, where David's from, where he's already been told he's going to be king someday. And, and so in, it says, um, verse 2, And the lords of the Philistines passed in review by hundreds, by thousands, but David and his men passed in review at the rear with Achish. In other words, David lines up to go to war against Israel. Calvary Chapel, this is what you will become. If you decide to take a break from church, don't be surprised at some time you're lining up against the church. And, and, and so this is a shocking uh, uh, change and course of events. This is David. This is, again, this is before he is actually has a coronation where he's publicly crowned king. That's not going to happen until the next book, which is uh, 1 Kings. Uh, he's, he's, he, he had just run away from his calling, and, and now he is lining up to fight his own people, to fight his cousins, his brethren, it's what he's doing. Verse 3, then the princes of the Philistines says, what are these Hebrews doing here? What are these Jews doing with us? It says at the beginning of verse 3, and Achish said to the princes of the Philistines, is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me these days and these years? And to this day I have found no fault in him since he defected to me. So the one king, the one Philistine king, there's I think like ten kings, or, or may have been five to ten kings that line up. And, and everyone except this one king is saying, what's David doing here? He killed Goliath. He killed one of us. He killed our champion. Why are we allowing him in battle? And Achish said, well, he's betrayed his people, and now he is um, favorable to us. It says, but the, verse 4, but the princes of the Philistines were angry with him. So the princes of the Philistines said to him, make this fellow return, that he may go back to the place which you have appointed him. And do not let him go down with us to battle, lest in the battle he become our adversary. For with what could the, he reconcile himself to his master, if not with the heads of these men? So they, they say, listen, you need to get rid of this guy, because in the middle of battle, he's going to betray us. He's going he's to stab us in the back, literally. Uh, and, and so uh, verse 6 says, Achish called David and said, Surely as the Lord lives... You have been upright, and your going out and your coming in with me in the army is good in my sight. For to this day I have not found evil in you since the day of your coming to me. Nevertheless, the lords do not favor you. In other words, you're great. I know you're great. But these other guys want to kick you out. And, and so he says, you need to go. You need to go back home. Um, and, and, and so verse 8, David says to Achish, but what have I done? 
And to this day, what, what have you found in your servant as long as I have been with you that I may not go out and fight against the enemies of my Lord and King? In other words, come on, I've been loyal to you. What's going on here? But the next verse, the king, um, Achish, the Philistine king says, I know that you are as good in my sight as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the princes of the Philistines have said he shall not go without uh, us into battle. Um, and, and then he says in verse 10, Now therefore, rise early in the morning with your master servants who have come with you as soon as you are up early in the morning and have light depart. So David and his men rose early in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines, and the Philistines went up to Jezreel. So David goes back to his city, the city that had been given to him by the Philistine king. And let's see what happens to that city. Same thing that happens to you when Satan gives you a big old carrot. This is what's going to happen to this carrot. Let's read chapter 30, verse 1. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag attacked, and Ziklag, and they attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire. And had, they had taken captive the women and those who were with there, who were there, small to great, they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. The Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season. And then it's miserable. So David had listened to his heart and ran away from the call of God. He got a reward from the devil, and now it's all gone. And as a pastor of over 20 years, I've seen this play out over and over and over again in people's lives. Don't listen to your heart and go live with the Philistines and depart from the people of God. I get it. Church is not perfect. It's a hospital of sinners. Sinners have issues. But it's not worth it. So it says, they wept at the end of verse 4 until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinam, the Nezrelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. So David had two wives. They were taken captive. Actually, everything else. Verse 6, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. So the people who loved him so much spoke of stoning him. Because, you know, all the beer buddies and the party fellows, now they hated him. Now they hated his guts. They wanted to stone him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. And then, I know I say this a lot, but this really is one of my favorite verses in the Bible considering the context. I've circled this verse so many times in so many Bibles that David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He had a choice. He could have shaken his fist at God and said, is this, is this what I deserve? And it's amazing. That's what we say. When we get exactly what we deserve, we go to God and say, is this, is this what I deserve? But he didn't. It says, and, and please underline it and circle it, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. You never heard a word about David and God in the previous chapters. Never. 27, 29, not, not a word. But God is a God of grace. He's a God who is always calling his people back. So David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Verse 7, then David said to Abiathar, Abiathar was the high priest, 
who's the high priest, or, or, or he was in the line of the high priest, maybe that's better put. Um, he, he, he was in the line of the high priest, and, and he says, please bring the ephod here to me. Now that was an Old Testament thing, started with Moses, where the high priest would wear this, uh, it was kind of like a breastplate thing, or thing, a thing that you put over your, their shoulders, and it, they determined um, the will of God by going to the high priest, and the high priest would intercede. He says, and Abiathar brought the ephod to uh, David. So David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? Meaning, shall I go and chase after these people who have burned down my city, taken all our wives and sons and, and, and daughters, and stolen everything else? Shall I go after them? And the high priest answered, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. I tried to tell this to people who <laughs> have gone back into a, a life of sin, someone who has given their life to Christ, and I try to tell them, listen, you can come back and recover the very fullness all of that relationship you had with God. More often than not, they don't believe me. But the Bible says that God loves you that much. Pursue, at the end of verse 8, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. So David went. He and the 600 men who were with him and came to the brook Bezer were those who were left behind. But David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Bezer. Now this is very important for where we're going today. There, was 200, there were 600 men, but two of them, 200 of them were so tired. I don't know if you picked this up, but the battle in Israel that they had tried to join was three days away. And they had traveled for three days, and now they're still going. And, and there's 200 of them that flat out give up. We're, we, we don't have any energy in us. We can't go anymore. That's going to be real important. That's going to be super important in where we go here. And so the, the, um, uh, the, the, uh, the 400 men, they, uh, they pursue the, um, the army, and, uh, and then in verse 16, they find, they find this enemy that had stolen everything from them. Go down to verse 16. It says in verse 16, and when he had, br when he had brought him down, there they were, speaking of the enemy, spread out over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines in the land of Judah. And so they were looking down. Here's the enemy. They're having this huge party because all the stuff they had stolen from David and his men and the families and just other areas um, in the vicinity. Verse 17, Then David attacked them from twilight until evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young uh, men who rode on camels, and fled. And verse 18 says, So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. Verse 19, And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small nor great, meaning they'd lost nothing. Sons or daughters, spoiled, meaning uh, sheep and goats and cows and whatever else they had, or anything else which they had taken from them, it says, David recovered all. If you have a pen, you have my permission to mark up your Bible. David recovered all. It says it three times in this chapter. He recovers it all. Why? Because he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He returned and he went back to God. And, and, and so... Um, verse uh, 20 says, Then David took all the flocks and herds they had driven before those other livestock and said, This is David's spoil. So they come, um, David captures not only what had been stolen from him, but what had been stolen from thousands of other 
people and places. And, he, and, and so he takes it all, and it's his spoil. It's his treasure. It's his reward. Verse 21, now David came to the 200 men who had been so weary. So now he comes back, and they run back into the men who had been so tired they couldn't go out into battle. They couldn't make it. He said, no, I can't go anymore. And they come back to these men. Now, this is very important. It says they come back to the 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow David, whom they also had made to stay at the brook Bezer. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David, greeted near, um, David came near the people, he greeted them. So he, was, he greeted the people who had been, were so tired they stayed behind. So these guys stayed behind. In verse 22, it says this. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who had went with David answered and said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered except for every man's wife and children, that they may lead them away and depart. So what happens? It says, it says the men who had, some of the men, rather, some of the men who had went with David said, wait a second. These guys don't think they're going to get any of, any of the, the spoil of victory, the, the garments that we have taken um, from um, our enemies, now that we've defeated the gold that we found, the silver that we found, the cattle, the sheep, the goats, you, they're not going to get any of that. We risked our lives. And these people stayed behind. Send them away. It's what you and me would say, right? They risked their lives. David responds. Verse 23. David said, my brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered us and delivered into our hand the troop that came against us. And so these men who stayed behind, they wound up getting equal portion of the spoil. So, so important that we understand that at the verse 22, when it says all the wicked and worthless men who were with David said, hey, wait, this is really unfair. These guys are not going to get anything. We just risked our lives. These guys just stayed back here and saved. It's so important. They're called wicked and worthless men. In fact, the actual translation is this. Uh, do we have that, Victoria? It says, uh, they're called sons of Belial, which means sons of the devil. They're called, they're called by the Holy Spirit, sons of the devil. And listen, all they're asking for is fairness. That's all they're asking for, is that they be treated fairly. They're called wicked. What's the reason that they're called wicked? It's because, notice how David says, wait, brethren, you shall not do so with the Lord has given us. Do you guys forget? We lost everything. David knows by now we deserved it. We came into the land of the enemy. We left the people of God. We lined up against the people of God and we're going to kill them. And so God destroyed and burned our city and took everything away. We deserved it. Are you kidding me? And now the Lord has given it back and you're going to pretend like it's yours. They're called sons of wickedness. They're called sons of Belial. So Christian, are you a Christian? Sitting here this morning, which by the way means a follower of Christ. What's your response going to be? to that battered and bruised and bloody man on the cross. 
was there, so you didn't have to go there. What's your response going to be? You say you are a Christian, a follower of Christ. Last week, again, we talked about what a Christian is. It's not a man or woman who imitates Jesus. It's a man or woman who Jesus lives through. Paul says it is no longer I who live. The Bible says it is Christ who lives in me. How are you going to respond to unfair? Life is unfair almost every day. You will be treated unfairly. How are you going to respond? Is God going to call you a son of the devil? So you're at work. You work and work and work and work every day. You get up on time. Everyone else leaves at 5 o'clock. You stay at 7 o'clock. You are still there so that every T is crossed, every I is dotted. And there's a coworker on your team who gets in late and leaves early. Her work is so sloppy, so you have to stay late and clean up the sloppy mess because she's on your team. And you have to clean up for her on a regular basis. A promotion comes up, she gets it. And you don't. Next thing you know, you're at the water cooler. And you're talking to a couple more. Can you believe how unfair? Can you believe that this person, she, she leaves early every day. I've been doing all her work. For, can you believe that? Jesus Christ will call you a son of the devil. We're getting there. He will. Matthew 18. We'll get there. Jesus recovered all for you. He saved you literally out of the fire. The book of Jews said, you've been saved out of the fire. Jesus' own words, uh, he said, you were on the broad road that leads to the destruction for eternity, forever. After 10,000 years, it's just starting. Forever, you've been, you've been um, saved from destruction of eternity. But it said, you recovered all. You recovered the fullness of God when you asked Jesus Christ into your life. It was there, by the way, in Genesis chapter 2, Adam and Eve. But sin came through one man, and destruction came, uh, was preceded to all. But Romans 5 says it was brought back. Jesus Christ purchased, purchased it back. Life is unfair. You get a, you're a faithful husband. You have worked hard supporting you, um, your, your wife and uh, your family for years. She goes out and cheats on you. And now she wants to come back. So unfair. You're a faithful mother, a faithful father. You uh, have given um, everything to your kids as a, a mother, a father, can give to a child. You, you, you changed a thousand diapers. You, kicked, you cooked at 10,000 meals. You've prayed as many times. You, you, get, you did your best to teach them the Bible and take them to church. They turn 18 and they're gone and they don't want to have anything to do with you. Unfair. You, you, you are a Christian in your early 20s and you are single. You follow hard after the Lord. You stay pure in your relationship with God and your relationship with others. You read your Bible, you pray, you pursue what is good, you push away what is evil, and you cling to God, you serve at church, and now you're, in your, you're, you're no longer in your early 20s, you're in your early 30s, and you're still single, and you see people that are not so good people getting married left and right. Unfair. You're a wife who, who, who uh, follows the Lord, who loves the Lord, and um, it, it seeks the Lord. You've, you, you, you serve your husband. You're, you bless your husband. You dev do everything to try to help and pray for him. Um, but he, he, he's a lazy slob. Or he's just, just not interested in God. He's not interested in you. Unfair. What are you going to do? What is your response going to be? After everything I have done, and this is what I get, be careful, Christ follower. Remember, you were saved from the fire, and Jesus saved you and recovered all of the Lord for you. This is the good news of the gospel. But once we receive the good news, we don't go out and live bad news. We go out and we, 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 we love others as we've been loved. Colossians chapter uh, 1, verse 13 says, For he... Jesus has rescued us, that means you, out of the darkness and gloom of Satan's kingdom and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. Uh, 
Again, in Jude chapter 23, um, it says, verse 23 rather, it says, you've been saved out of the fire. What have you been saved into? Uh, A couple verses before it says, you've been saved into, can we have uh, Jude 20? You've been saved into the beloved. You've been saved out of the fire and you've been put into the beloved. Uh, Jesus Christ saved you. That's what we've been talking about for the last eight weeks on the cross. The bloody cross. Um, it, 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 Jesus himself said um, in Luke chapter uh, 19, verse 10, uh, he says, Jesus came to seek for the Son of Man. This is Jesus himself speaking. Has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The Bible says you were utterly, totally, completely lost spiritually with God when you came out of your mother's womb, even more than that, at the time that you were conceived. You were born dead to the things of God, but God saved you. Ephesians chapter 2, but God, who was rich in mercy, made you alive in Christ. Be careful, Calvary Chapel, how you respond to unfair. Be very careful. Certainly you don't want God himself calling you a, a son of Belial. And you say, well, that never happens. Let's close with Matthew 18. Let's just go right to Matthew 18 and I'll show you This is serious stuff. I was thinking before church, we were praying before church. I hope some of you you can join us at the 9.30 a.m. prayer. Uh, But I I, I was just thinking this morning, being a Christian and coming into the service and preaching and hearing the Word of God is an incredibly serious thing. I'm, I'm talking with you about issues of life and death. In Matthew 18, I hope you're, uh, uh, you have your Bible there. Um, it, it says in verse 21 of Matthew 18, it says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall, I, uh, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven, which is... Seven is the word of completion. That means unlimited amount of times. And then he tells this parable. Please, 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 Calvary Chapel, for the health of your own soul, for your own soul itself, listen to this parable. Listen to the words of Jesus. Verse 23 says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like this, a certain king who want, wanted to sell accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, Bible scholars, including one of the foremost Bible scholars, have, have an opinion about how much 10,000 talents is. It's about $1 trillion. <laughs> it's... It's more than the whole GNP of, uh, of the land of Cana, Palestine at that time. That means everything everyone earned, rich and poor and middle class, you combine all that, it wouldn't have even added up to 10,000 talents, says William Barclay. So he owes them 10,000 talents. Verse 25, but as he was not able to pay... His master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. A trillion dollars. Or whatever, it's just, it's, it's basically what it means is a debt thousands and ten thousands and times more than you can ever pay. Verse 28, but this servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, 
but went and threw himself and, and, and threw, was thrown into prison until he should pay the debt. Verse 31. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and came and told the master all that he had done. Then his master, after he had called them, said to him, You wicked servant. Anyone remember this word? First Samuel chapter 30? Some of the wicked people. You know, I, I bet if you met this guy in the street, this guy, the servant, the guy who he was forgiven a trillion dollars or 10 billion, whatever it was, but then his fellow servant who owed him, it says 100 denarii. So 100 denarii was 100 days wages. That's not a small amount of money. It's like if the average salary is whatever, $70,000 in Boston, that's something like $30,000. That's, that's a lot of money. I don't blame the guy for wanting to get his $30,000 back. But I really honestly believe if we met this guy, if people met him on the street, they would say, oh, Frank, he's a nice guy. I like him. Every time I see him, he's nice to me. He helps me. And if I need a little cash, he'll give it to me. I'm convinced. Jesus calls him wicked here. He's wicked. It says, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers. That's a reference to hell. Until he should pay all that was due him, which is impossible. The Bible says that when we sin, we lie, cheat, or steal. That's sin. Even thinking about lying, cheating, and stealing is sin. So you and I, we've sinned more than we could ever pay. This is, again, master, verse 34, and his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all, the, all that was due him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you, to each of you, from, unless each of you from the heart um, does not forgive his brother his trespassers. Let me repeat that. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from the heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. So we finished the book of Mark and we spent a lot of time Jesus sweating blood or his, his drops of sweat had blood in him. He was under so much stress with the Father beginning the punishment, beginning the wrath that was on him for your sin. You've been forgiven so much. And the offer of salvation means being, getting, recover, recovering everything, recovering all. And so, Calvary Chapel, you're called the light of the world by Jesus Christ. If you insist on fair, day in and day out, it doesn't mean you can't have a dialogue with your husband. Hey, look, like, why don't you love me? Why don't you pay attention to me? Why are, why are you such a lazy slob, whatever? It doesn't mean you can't have a dialogue. But in your heart, you have a responsibility not to be insisting on fair. It's just a fact. It's because you've been forgiven so much. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up at this time. We're going to close with a worship song. Sorry, I went a few minutes over. But we're going to close with a worship song. If you could please stand up at this time. You know that when I, when I was reading through this seven or eight weeks ago, um, 1 Samuel 27 in my own study as I was going through the Bible, and this, this just jumped up at me. I just couldn't wait to share this. I just couldn't wait to share this. The response, my response, our, and this spoke so deeply into my heart. How, how, how just my response to my salvation, that great salvation that, that God is, has given me. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, Paul prays for the church in Ephesus. I pray for you guys that you will understand how wide and long and deep is God's salvation of you. You'll start treating people very different. 
And so you may be here. If you've been asked to pray, please come up. If you are one of the prayer partners, please come up at this time. And you may be thinking to yourself, um, okay, uh, there is this person, that person, or there's these people uh, that, uh, wow, have I fallen short of the standard. If I keep up what I have been, um, my behavior towards them, I'm nothing more than a son of Belial, a son of wickedness, a son of the devil. I need someone to pray for me over this. Someone to pray for me and to uh, put, their, put their hand on me and say, Lord, help, help this person forgive. I want you to come up. If you've been asked to pray, uh, please come up at this time. Hey, Matt and B, can you come up to the front and, and pray at this time? Uh, Stephanie... Can you come up with, uh, with Faith? Emily and Eric, can you come up? Lena, can you come up? Right here, Antonio, can you come up right around here? You, can, you guys can, you can go over there, yeah. And you're, you're thinking to yourself, wow, how do I, um, how, do, how do we do this? How do I do this? I have this, I, I can't help but live in my thoughts about how this person has stabbed me in the back. The Bible says that the, one of the gifts of being a Christ follower is that he, God will shed abroad the love of God into your heart and you will forgive people who you were certain you'd never be able to, you'd go to the, to the grave not forgiving. As we worship at this time, let's... Uh, Come up and pray if there's a person who fits that description in your life. Or if there anything else has stirred your heart. Man, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ in the first place, the Bible says that you're going to appear at the judgment seat without Jesus' goodness, and you're going to be covered in 10,000 talents of sin. You don't want to do that. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, Come up, I can lead you in a prayer of salvation. You're not saved by your good works. You're saved by what Jesus Christ did you on the cross. But let's worship. And let's pray as we close out the service. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for this wonderful work that you have started in our lives. And Lord, as someone prayed this morning in the 930 prayer, Psalm 138, verse 8, Lord, you will complete that which you have started in me. And we thank you for that, Lord, but we need your help. Holy Spirit, come. Come now. Do that work. And complete it in us. In Jesus' name, amen.